Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another Mining Stock Education episode. I'm Bill Powers, your host. And today we're going to be getting a perspective on the junior mining markets from uh, the perspective of a venture capitalist or mining financier. I brought back on the show today Luke Norman. He has extensive experience in the venture capital markets as it relates to the mining sector. And he's been directly responsible for capital raises over $300 million. And he owns his own consultancy company, consulting many junior miners. He co-founded Gold Standard Ventures, a successful uh, gold discovery company in Nevada. He also co-founded and was formerly a director of Stratton Resources. He's currently the chairman of the board with Silver One Resources. And regarding one of our sponsors, U.S. Gold Corp., he is the co-founder, strategic advisor, and one of the larger shareholders of U.S. Gold Corp. With that being said, Luke, thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Bill. So I, I like to get a variety of perspectives on what is going on. I talk to fund managers, uh, newsletter writers, uh, private investors, uh, commentators. You look at the markets with your experience from that of a mining financier, uh, often influx, given that influx of initial capital to these junior miners to help get them started and go public. What are your observations right now with sentiment amidst junior mining uh, management? I think that there is a, a very real feeling that there is a percolation of interest again coming about within the space. Now, obviously, um, that would have a lot to do with the strengthening in the price of bullion. Um, that definitely always, obviously, generates more interest into our sector. But I do feel overall, through the, the, the length of this drought, I would put it at uh, in October or November of 2016, which is right before we got into November, December of 16, uh, which saw that that sudden interest. Barrick had been climbing higher, higher all through uh, late 16 in the summer, uh, and then it turned into a massive inflow of capital, well, a relative massive inflow of capital into the sector, and and that of course sent the juniors on on path again. So I think. I, I feel that there is an expectation amongst management within the companies and managers of capital um, that there is definitely something happening within the backdrop of, of capital inflows into the gold sector. When you're a pre-revenue junior mining company and you need cash, there's been a number of them that have not been able to raise uh, cash in the last six months to a year. Many of them have announced raises for a proposed amount and they couldn't even it, uh, meet half of that. If you're the, the management of a junior that's having a hard time raising cash, what do you do right now? Do you wait six months for sentiment to get even better or do you take another stab at it now? Uh, what would be your advice here? Well, you know, the uh, old adage, take money where it's on the table, was the obvious one. However, the money is not out there on the table yet. So for the smaller juniors, um, it, it's still a very real challenge. And But I still think there's still a lot of need for and should be more focused towards consolidation of, of jurisdictional assets within the juniors. Um, generally speaking, the biggest inhibitor of that, of course, is management salary so people don't want to take three public companies that, that they've been drawing salaries from combine them into one and essentially cull one-third or two-thirds of the of the workforce within that management profiles of each company so i think there still needs a little bit more of that sort of focus to occur but um sorry that practice to occur but 
you know, in the meantime, uh, you take money if it's available to you. If it's not, you do everything you can to hoard that cash and protect your assets. So really, it's a case-by-case situation. I know, for example, with us at Silver One, um, we were fortunate enough to just raise capital and also get uh, a very well-known name uh, in the mining sector to come into that financing. So um, there is money out there. Again, it's percolating slowly, and, and it's going to slowly infuse itself into the sector, hopefully. So hold on to cash if you don't have access to cash and do everything you can and anything you can to advance the project along the way, but certainly do not go putting yourself in a precarious situation where you're out of cash and now the company's over and the shareholders lose all their value. In your circles, when you're talking to uh, fellow mining sector venture capitalists, do you get the sense that most of the money that will be deployed within their portfolio to the sector is deployed, or is there still some money on the sidelines? It's relative. I mean, you know, a good example, Oren, um, great story. Uh, they've got capital because they've got an incredible asset and obviously a very, very strong management team have managed to sell a company previously. And, um, you know, they're, they're spending money like they should be uh, and, and almost in the face of a difficult uh, capital environment. That is, they're maintaining their, their aggressive pace and, and focus on exploration and building shareholder value. Now, as I also said, it is a true case-by-case sort of situation. Every company is different. Um, So globally, I I would say the trend is capital is being uh, protected versus being spent aggressively into exploration. Um, But again, case-by-case, good working companies, good explorers are managing to buck the trend and, and keep their focus going. Uh, U.S. Gold, we're, we're somewhere in that uh, uh, the the latter ground. I think you know we, we want to be very very mindful, as I've always said when when we've spoken in the past, Bill, about mm-hmm. our uh, you know share positions. Uh, oh, sorry, share positions. Excuse me, our, our capital structure. So uh, issuing stock and, and diluting at these levels, when a lot of people don't care about um, draw results, for example, can be a challenge too. So every single company is in a different situation from that perspective. Um, but back to your original question, how do I feel, you know, that the, the, the average sort of, uh, company management uh, team is looking at it. Uh, they're holding on to capital. It's, it largely seems to be people are really protective of dollars, because drill results are not getting them the distance that they would get in more of a bullish market. When I'm looking to invest in uh, pre-revenue companies, I often like to see where the CEO is employed, not as a, a board member or where he or she is investing, but where they have an active role in management. And I, I was invested in a gold company once, and then when I got the circular, I saw that the same individual started a uh, weed company and I believe a biotech company. That was an immediate turnoff to me because I questioned whether it was just going to become a lifestyle company and whether he would be effectively be able to lead three companies at once. But what I do appreciate is when 
pre-revenue companies come up with creative ways to finance uh, their activities. And, and I'm talking specifically of uh, gold exploration so that shareholder uh, value is not diluted. I recently learned of a company that's trying to grow and sell weed products in order to fund their gold exploration. Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, that's a bit of an oddball combination, I guess. But um, look, by all means, if somebody's got a real business model that they feel that they could effectively do that, um, that's great. From my kind of interpretation of that, I would really be hesitant in regard to, well, it would be a two-part hesitancy. One would be the fact that I do believe that the price of marijuana is going to be commoditized in the very near future just through overproduction. I've mentioned that to you before. So hopefully they can get those cash crops off fast enough. And two, It'd be very interesting to see if they actually do stream that capital flow over to the gold exploration side. Uh, um, it's a variation on a on a concept. I mean, it's been out there before, but a surprising slant to it. Do you focus at all on uh, pick and shovel companies, as they say, those suppliers to the mining sector that uh, obviously will have more business when the mining sector really takes off? Is that a focus of any of your investment dollars? It, it is. To a degree, uh, I've invested in drillers. I'm I'm actively involved in a uh, conceptual drilling platform that would be kind of a disruptor um, to the normal source of uh, uh, reverse circulation uh, slash core sort of approach. So I, I do actively watch and invest in uh, the the service companies. We'll call them for one of a better term. That's what they call them in the oil industry, of course. But uh, largely, especially when we get into what I think is a, a burgeoning gold market right now, I'm deploying capital uh, into the space. Uh, I, I am invest. I just participated in uh, the latest gold uh, U.S. gold financing as well. So I am uh, more de- more inclined to deploy capital into the uh, into the juniors and pre-developers than I am into the service sector when it. Uh, when the market fires. I'd like to get your perspective on a couple jurisdictions. Obviously, you've uh, built a successful company and you're working with another in Nevada right now, but you also have some experience, as I understand it, in Australia. We all know that Australia is a great mining uh, jurisdiction, as is Nevada, but could you compare the two for us? What are some of the pros and cons here? The pros in Nevada, of course, is the amount of infrastructure and the amount of service, etc., that exists there within the mining space. What I found in uh, Western Australia is a lot of these outpost sort of areas that in Nevada you would just fire up a truck and drive to or, or you know, to go visit the project or if you needed a driller, they're, they're actually fly-in, fly-out situations, which is dramatically uh, more expensive than you would run into in Nevada for, for deploying workers or deploying equipment. So my experience in Western Australia is the costs were were incrementally higher, but add to that labor costs beyond just your your uh, exploration costs, hard exploration costs are dramatically higher too. And I have one working example of that. One of the uh, small operations that we put into production had about 113 employees on site at the time. So it was a smaller mining operation. The lowest paid employee in that uh, in that organization was 
a four day on, four day off, fly in, fly out, part time cook, and their salary was around one hundred and fifteen thousand Australian dollars, wow. which is you know essentially a Canadian dollar or New Zealand dollar in value. You know, thirty percent lower than the U.S. dollar, still an, an incredible salary. And geologists down there, you know, don't seem to want to walk out into the field for less than $250,000 per annum. So it's a, I find it to be more of a, from a junior perspective, a make work kind of a uh, operation than it is a profitable operation. When it comes to Nevada, there's, of course, uh, the big news this year with uh, Newmont and Barrick and their joint venture. I thought about this, and I was wondering if it could almost be a negative for the junior companies that discover a gold deposit in the sense that you have this huge corporation with um, all of the mills and all of their uh, technology and equipment right there, and they would have a competitive advantage against someone like a South 32 or, or someone else coming in from the outside trying to get their foothold in Nevada. Thus, the the bid out, the takeout prices could be lower. Am I onto something here, or, or what's your what's your perspective on this? Well, we you and I, you and I, sorry, discussed that uh, last time we chatted, actually. But it, to me, in the short term, absolutely, it's it's the market is showing you that it's a negative. You know, gold standards off. U.S. gold is lower. Um, Premier gold mines is lower. Uh, the the whole gambit, and it's not just on the same sort of percentage basis as maybe some of the other jurisdictions outside of Nevada, it created and has created and continues to create um, some confusion. I do believe, however, that confusion is going to be short-lived. Barrick are going to be forced into a situation here where they're going to be definitely selling off assets. They've done so, already begun to do so, before the, the combination of the Newmont assets and their own. Um, that sell-off is going to build several more good size mining companies, and everybody in a gold sector, in a gold movement, in a gold price movement, in a strong gold sector, it is all about acquisition of ounces and building and growing your bottom line and production. So Nevada has not changed. It is still the best jurisdiction on the planet to be in, to explore for gold, and ultimately to discover gold. So that has not gone away. And don't forget also that anything meaningful, similar to the kind of targets that, heck, we're looking for within U.S. gold, you know, when you're looking for Cortez Hills-type deposits, Barrick want those all day long. Mm-hmm. Meaningful discoveries are still going to pack a massive amount of value in Nevada, no question. Yes, no, you still get that Nevada premium, even in light of what I uh, just brought up. Any discovery is going to see a nice premium. Yeah, I mean, you're barrack like barrack style deposits. Um, and, and that's basically getting enough sulfide ore that they can blend in their roasters and, and autoclaves to create uh, the right environment for ultimate gold extraction. Newmont always had a bit of an affinity and a taste for oxide and shallow sort of oxide stuff. Uh, and didn't have to be on the scale of size that exists, you know, within those big, big barrack operations. Well, you know, that Newmont approach to the production uh, of, of oxides, et cetera, in Nevada is not going to go away. Somebody's going to fill those boots, and those discoveries are going to continue to happen. So I think uh, 
you know, consolidating mid-tier, turning into a, you know, a senior producer is a reality in Nevada. And U.S. Gold Corp. is, of course, trying to show forth uh, the initial makings of a significant discovery at the Keystone Project on the Cortez Trend. And this is a 20-square-mile concession. We've talked about this in our last interview t- together. But can you give us an update uh, what's going on here regarding uh, the schedule and anything else you can share with us? Yeah, for sure. We've got uh, our summer drill program is just commencing um we've got 15 holes designed which are you know it, it, it almost leads back to your question about deploying capital in a, in a tough market environment i think we would be probably drilling more than 15 holes if it was a a, a different sort of a situation in, in the junior sector right now but these 15 holes are probably the best telltale holes that will ever be drilled on this project. We're drilling into three very key um, target zones that, that we've been focused on, uh, including Sophia. Sophia is where we initiated our drill program uh, two years ago. We just got a couple of holes in there two years ago. But what we found is we got down to uh, our, our sort of horizon depth where we're looking for the right mineralization and we ran into rock difficulties, which is indicative of the right backdrop for the kind of uh, discovery we're looking for so this year is to be a tell all for us we've got great zones that we're shooting for within a 15 hole program so not a massive capital outlay but a lot of information and, and hopefully a discovery or two yeah, and these are well-crafted targets, as you say, because uh, you spent three years mapping geophysics, geochemistry, uh, and uh, scout hole drilling on these targets to kind of prime it for hopefully what will be indicative of a huge system. Yeah, a combination of all of that data. Um, and then, of course, you know, to speak closer to that um, scout drilling, the scout drilling obviously was not into these uh, targets per se. It was helped us evolve and learn and discover these targets so these target areas are a culmination of three years of of effort and learning about this geology this stratigraphy and this rock environment and we are in our belief right there i mean when i look back to gold standard um it was around year two year three that we started to fly and really understand the environment and start to make discoveries and that's where we're at at uh, U.S. Gold today. So yeah, and, and you're being shrewd with uh, capital preservation. I remember a memorable quote from our last interview was you said something to the effect of "You can drill yourself out of business quite quickly on this big of a project, but if one of those holes that you're drilling this summer comes back, then you could probably go back to market at a nice premium to today's share price to raise some funds to uh, to test what's under the earth even more." Exactly. And then again, you never know. With discovery holes, they could be so significant that you never get a chance to drill another. Somebody Mm -hmm. shows up and wants you for a big fat premium. And, you know, the kind of environment we are at at Keystone, it's exactly potentially one of those sort of situations. We're shooting at a target that we feel is very analogous to uh, our neighbors in the north, of course, which is Barrack at Cortez. Every indication we had from previous drilling, including holes we lost because we couldn't get to target depth, and now we've changed our uh, approach and we've changed some of the technology we're using, I think these are by far the most high-probability targets we've ever seen on this project, and I'm super excited to get the drills going and see what the results are. 
And we've been talking about U.S. Gold Corp. U.S. Gold Corp., as I said, is a sponsor of this show. To learn more, you can go to usgoldcorp.gold. Well, Luke, I appreciate you stopping by to give us an update on U.S. Gold and to share your insights on the mining sector. Much appreciated. Thank you again, Bill. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education Podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.